Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Wisp Sports Radio. The voice of women in sport. I'm Zoe George and welcome to the November episode of Fair Play, a podcast covering women in sport from athletes and results to current affairs and issues. who missed the October episode of Fair Play, fear not, we didn't make one. I've been away busy working on a new podcast called Not Your Average Cricket Show, following the Wyatt Ferns as they competed in the ICC Women's World T20. You can find all the episodes of Not Your Average Cricket Show at rnz.co.nz forward slash series. This month we took Rugby World Cup, yes, coming to New Zealand, World Cup cricket and of course toilets. If you want to join the conversation, you can at RNZ, at Wisp Sports and at producer underscore Zoe. Our guest host today is former Blackfern turned Member of Parliament, Louisa Wall. Kia ora. Kia ora, Zoe. The perfect person to have in to talk about rugby. Thank you. I like that description of me, uh, given <laughs> I'm a bit of a relic these days. But No. <laughs> I do have to say I'm incredibly proud of Farah. Uh, and also uh, the New Zealand Rugby Union for putting up their hand mm. eventually to host this ninth Rugby World Cup. What was the process to try and get that Rugby World Cup to come here? Oh, I think there was a lot of emphasis post the Irish hosting mm. uh, for us to actually put our hand up and say we can do this. I know that uh, cost has been a factor and also our ability to secure sponsors because obviously having most of the world come to us uh, was a bit of a challenge. Um, but it was incredibly ironic that the time we put up our hands, Australia decided to do the <laughs> same and we had this intense trans-Tasman rivalry. But uh, I think our contribution to the sport, um, I actually joined uh, at the beginning of the aspiration for rugby to be an Olympic sport. Mm. Uh, and I'm sure you will know that to be an Olympic sport, uh, gender equity is, and equality is incredibly important. So from my perspective, I think having far affront that for us uh, as uh, a captain who has uh, not only contributed on the field, uh, bringing home three World Cups, but obviously now uh, being the first uh, woman on the rugby board mm. uh, and advocating for more women uh, and obviously of Māori heritage, so can speak to the fact that Indigenous development is also part of uh, the legacy that we have brought to the world uh, was incredibly special. So I'm uh, proud and I'm looking forward, like all of us, to hosting. <laughs> What's uh, been 
and the government involvement with this? Uh, have you been backing it financially? Yeah, there is a relationship. So I know our Minister for Sport, Sport Grant Robertson, is incredibly uh, passionate, as is our Prime Minister, can I say. So <laughs> she was part of our pitch and said, come on down. Uh, but I know from our perspective, uh, working with New Zealand Rugby now, um, because the product is so good, mm. I actually think uh, corporate endorsement and support for uh, us to host will be overwhelming, to be honest. The games are only going to be in Northland and Auckland, is that correct? Uh, they will be. Uh, Waitakere Stadium as well, uh, North Harbour Stadium and in Whangarei. But I love that whole concept of actually sharing it with what I would say are rural communities mm. uh, and allowing Northland, and uh, for someone like Portia Woodman, it would be incredibly special for her, uh, given uh, she is one of the stars of the game and being able to showcase. I don't, I don't think we're going to have any problem selling out all of the games. And I know New Zealanders, we will embrace all 12 teams, so not just the Kiwis. And uh, I think that uh, what we have provided to the world actually is an opportunity to see that women can be leaders uh, in the sports field. And for me, um, yeah, I'm incredibly proud that uh, we've, been, we've contributed to this legacy and actually women being developed within the context of sport now and contributing to SDG5. So the whole empowerment of women and girls through sport, um, I think, is incredibly important. It's enough about rugby for now. Let's move <laughs> on to our hot topic. It's been 11 months in the making. Our main discussion today is about toilets. If you've been following Fair Play this year, you'll know I've been keeping an eye on the redevelopment of the toilets at the Basin Reserve. According to the Wellington City Council Basin Reserve Master Plan, the Basin is considered to be within the top 10 cricket grounds in the world. If that's the case, why are women, those with disabilities and families not being given proper access to safe and sanitary toilet facilities? There are currently twice as many men's toilets as women's, one accessibility toilet and one family room available to the general public, according to Wellington Cricket. Women are waiting up to 25 to 30 minutes to use the facilities. There are no hand basins in the men's toilets. The Wellington City Council has earmarked $7 million to the refurbishment of the museum stand at the ground. Within that refurbishment is earthquake strengthening and a, quote, rebalancing of the toilet situation. The council will not be seeking public consultation for the redesign of the toilets. According to New Zealand Cricket, the Basin Reserve has a current capacity of 6,000. And if we apply that figure to the Ministry of Business and Innovation Venue Toilet Code and Compliance Calculator, approximately 100 toilets are required. For this discussion, we're joined by Disability Rights Commissioner Paula Tesserero and Wellington City Councillor Fleur Fitzsimons. Kia ora, welcome. Thank you. Uh, Paula, let's start with you. Am I we making a mountain out of a molehill here? No, absolutely not. Access to toilets in New Zealand for disabled people is a real issue. And we want as many people as possible to be out and about and supporting our sports events. And for many disabled people in the community, they feel unable to go to some events because they don't have the confidence that there will be truly accessible facilities at the event that they're going to. And the end result of that is that disabled people can't participate in events that everyone else has the opportunity to participate in. So it's a real issue. Fleur, I know that the Wellington City Council has been on the sharp end of the stick for this discussion. Uh, why is the council not seeking public consultation for the redevelopment of the toilets at the Basin Reserve? 
Yeah, I've looked into this and I've tried to understand whether there is usually public consultation on um, the nature of toilets and the level of them. And I understand that there isn't a requirement to consult on that level of detail. And um, obviously the council is pretty well qualified in designing and installing public toilets. But what I think is important to know is that there will be a significant increase to the number of toilets as part of the whole master plan build of the Basin Reserve. So that will increase the toilets um, for women from 14 to 33 and for gender-neutral toilets from 2 to 8. So there is a significant increase, and overall there's an increase of 30 toilets, um, and that's combined men, uh, women and gender-neutral. So while there isn't um, plans to consult on the level of detail around the design of the toilets, there is significant increases in the number of toilets, and that's totally appropriate, right? We need to make sure that our premier test cricket venue uh, can adequately uh, manage all of the people that want to come and watch uh, test cricket and other cricket and also the great community events that the Basin has on uh, pretty regularly now. How many toilets then will be redesigned or refurbished in total? So there'll be an increase in, from 27 to 57 toilets and the first ones that are going to be going in will be around the museum stand. Mm. So there will be an increase there in um, gender-neutral and accessible toilets. Uh, there will be three toilets there that are gender-neutral and accessible, and they will be available all the time, so not just uh, when, there, when there are events on in the basin. So that's quite helpful for people you know, walking past or um, in that particular area. But uh, according to the Ministry of Business and Innovation Toilet Code and Compliance Calculator, approximately 100 toilets are required, so 57 is nowhere near 100. You know, we need significantly more, and what the plans are, I understand, is to bring in extra toilets on trucks when there's big events happening. So the Bears at the Basin is coming up at the beginning of December, and for that event, um, which is happening obviously before this build happens, there will be an extra 28 toilets coming in and two toilet trucks. Um, And I also understand that the the venue size can increase to about 15,000 with mm. temporary seating, but when you do that, you also will need to bring an extra toilet. But it's just a matter of making effective use of the space we have. Let's talk about the health state of these uh, these toilets. Um, Louisa, you're on the select committee, is that correct? For health? I am, and we've actually had a petition before us this year from Nicole Thornton, who has Crohn's disease. And so this whole issue of people who suffer from uh, Conditions like irritable bowel syndrome, Crohn's and accessibility to toilets is something that we have been discussing quite intensely actually, Flair, and it's good to see that you are following uh, your own council. Uh, You have a policy on uh, public provision of conveniences, I've I've noted. I mean, I think the issue really is is about uh, provision that is driven by current demand. That is, you know, I guess historically men have been the ones who have liked cricket and gone to the venues. Uh, but in a modern New Zealand, we want to encourage uh, equitable uh, opportunities for all of us. So that's women, families, people with disabilities. And I guess the the test about the, the level of um, appropriateness of the decisions about how many toilets you provide also then drives demand. Because if you have more toilets for people with disabilities, then presumably it will encourage more people with disabilities to attend. And I think sometimes, you know, when we make these decisions about how many and the numbers, uh, it should not only be driven by historical usage, but it should be also driven by how participative, how inclusive, how diverse we want New Zealand to be in the future.
Yeah, absolutely. And I think it is unacceptable that a public venue like the Basin Reserve doesn't adequately cater for women and people with disabilities at present. I mean, we are, it is a public venue. Public money has built this amenity. And we really need to make sure that it's accessible to everyone. In some of the uh, laws around the world, uh, they actually have ratios in place for men versus female toilets. Uh, in the UK at the moment, it's meant to be one-to-one. In particular places around the States, it's either one-to-one, three women's toilets to two, or two-to-one. And mm. uh, for the Uniform Plumbing Code in the States, it's four-to-one for movie theatres. Does that need to be the case for sporting venues maybe, Paula? Oh, look, anything to increase access. I want to touch on a couple of points that you made, Fleur, around uh, consultation and the number of toilets that are going into the Basin Reserve. And the, and the first point I want to make is this, that there is no substitute for a disabled person themselves being involved in designing something for disabled people. So absolutely the council's got experts on on building and designing facilities. But I would strongly urge that disabled people are involved in making sure that actually the design really is fit for purpose. Because often what people tell me, and I notice myself, that a facility itself may meet all the requirements of of best practice, but actually the pathway to get to the accessible bathroom is not good for people who um, uh, need good access. And Uh, So I would strongly encourage that the council does that. I think the second point is uh, I didn't quite catch the exact number of um, accessible toilets that will be made available, but I did hear that the first phase around the museum stand will involve um, improved access in terms of numbers around um, accessible bathrooms and gender-neutral bathrooms. I did want to stress, and again, this is where consultation is really important, that combining gender-neutral and disability toilets is not best practice. And the reason for that is because nobody standing outside a bathroom should have to justify why they are using that bathroom. And we already know with the way people question the use of mobility car parks and things, that people have a view about who should and shouldn't be using accessible car parks. And I don't want to see the same happen here, where we've got a great opportunity to, as you say, using public money to improve access. This is a real opportunity to involve disabled people from the beginning and make sure that we get it right and make sure that we are following best practice around exclusive accessible bathrooms and also having gender-neutral bathrooms, but they're not one and the same. I take that on, and I think um, I totally agree with you, and I will commit to making sure that the Accessibility Action Group, which is the coalition of um, different organisations and individuals representing people with disabilities within the council, are consulted if they haven't been already, and I'll definitely follow that up. And I think it's a really important point you make around gender-neutral and accessibility, and it's not something... Um, I've heard before or thought about Mm. so I'll also absolutely commit to taking that up with the council because I think it is really important that we're looking at best practice and making sure that our facilities are genuinely accessible. And I was going to just pick up on that best practice aspect actually Fleur and that's wonderful uh, to hear and it actually is about the provision for women. I mean a lot of women now are using menstrual cups for example and the ability for us to wash those uh, within our cubicles and having access to soap and, and obviously a a basin so that that is able to be done privately. I think so. there are some of the other uh, 
issues uh, and needs if you do want to truly make this a, a fit-for-purpose, future-focused uh, um, facility uh, are some of the other things that will be a necessity in a, in a venue like this. Louisa Wall, Paula Testerero and Fleur Fitzsimons are our guests today talking about toilets. I spoke to Dr Sharon English, who is a urologist, uh, earlier today, and this is what she had to say about waiting in line for the loos. Is holding on good for our bladders? Holding on isn't bad for our bladders. There is a misconception that you do need to go as soon as you get the sensation, but it is all right to hold on. And most people can hold on. The problem is in the people with overactive bladder with, who suddenly get busting and got a rush to the toilet, they can't hold on. So waiting for 30 minutes to use the toilet is not acceptable? Oh, it would be all down the legs, buddy. By that time, yes. What happens to our bodies when we hold on for that long? Well, research has shown that you're not so good at making decisions if you have a very full bladder. But besides that, it just gets uncomfortable and hard to focus on the cricket game and not much fun. So what should we be doing? Obviously, this is an events-wide problem. How can we go about solving it? Well, I think we keep explaining about the the numbers in the crowd that more women are going to games now and that there needs to be parity with the toilets. As we're aware, it takes women longer. They have to use individual cubicles. Men are much faster at the toilet. And it's only fair there are more toilets for females. Women actually pee faster than men, can empty their bladders faster, because their flow rate's faster, but the whole process from where to go takes longer. Why is that? Women have a shorter urethra, and they don't have the prostate there causing a blockage. So the flow is actually a lot stronger in females than men. Because there is a belief that holding on is wrong, and usually it's not, but it's, mm. it gets damned uncomfortable. There is a group who well and truly wet themselves. Mm. And, yeah, and so they will go to those games, and they won't drink to cope with it. Yeah. Yeah. Which yeah, doesn't make for a very comfortable time either. And, and I guess then that could lead to other issues like dehydration if they're not hydrating themselves properly. Yeah. Yeah, if they're not drinking, it's a hot day, they're sitting in the sun. Yeah. Yeah, so that they just, but probably the bigger issues, they just don't go to game. A lot of women won't go mm. because of the toilet situation. In the past, the toilets at the Basin Reserve have um, overflowed and raw sewage has come out of them. What kind of health risk does this pose? Depends on where the raw sewage ends up. Yeah, on the footpath? Oh, oh yes. Well, then it gets trapped. And certainly the coliforms and the bacteria from the, the bowel motions then gets tracked to places where people are then sitting and might be bending down, picking things up off there. So it is, means it's possible to get onto hands and reinfect other people. And hepatitis A would probably be the the bag you don't want passed on. Within the toilets at the Basin Reserve, in the women's toilets they have basins, hand basins but no soap, and in the men's toilets they've got nothing. Is this a health issue? Yes, it is a health issue because after doing a bowel motion and wiping, you then have the potential to pass on all sorts of bacteria and viruses, like hepatitis A, Campylobacter. And is it the same when we go f- for a pee, for example, men not washing their hands? Probably not quite so much. It's not those sort of bacteria so much on the skin of the penis, but with women with wiping, it's possible for contamination. And we should use soap and water when we wash our hands? We should definitely use water and also wash longer than what we currently do. It's recommended at least two minutes and thoroughly dry your hands 
um, soap would be good as well. At least two minutes. Wow. Which, yeah, which most people don't do. No. And what about hand sanitizer? Is that a good way to go as well? Yeah, hand sanitizer would probably be the easiest option to have instead. It's much faster and it's effective. That's Dr Sharon English. She went to the Olympics, the 2012 Olympics, and they had uh, she-we, female urinals. Um, should we have to use those? Do you even know what a she-we is? I don't. I didn't go to the Olympics. <laughs> Do you, know. Paula? I know Fleur? of them. Yeah. Yeah. Fleur, have you come across a shiwi? I haven't. Okay, so a shiwi is like a cup that's got a little spout on it and um and you pee into it and the spout directs the, the urine into a urinal. They're portable and disposable. you can buy plastic ones and they're disposable as well. Um but should women and have to resort to using something like this, Paula, if there isn't sufficient... <laughs> Do we all say universally no? <laughs> yeah, I'm usually pregnant at the moment. I've got a vested interest in that not happening. <laughs> but see, that might stop you from going to a game, right? If you're pregnant or heavily pregnant and, and reliant on a bathroom and being close to a bathroom facility. If you're sitting on the embankment at the Basin Reserve, those toilets on the eastern embankment there, there's only three female cubicles uh, and their lines are massive. I mean, how's you're going to say, actually, I might as well just stay at home and watch it on the telly, right? Exactly. And we all know, um, as cricket fans, that, you know, missing even just a 10 or 15 minutes of a game is, can be, you know, you can miss the whole meaning of the game. Of course so you can. Those cues are totally unacceptable. We really need to address that. I think, yeah, to be to be quite frank, uh, obviously it, it was a demand issue and mm. this was a solution. Now, that's a solution for a, an Olympic event. I don't think that's the solution we want to see for the Basin Reserve. What we want is adequate provision based on a statistic well, or statistical or, or an algorithm that says we need 100. If it is 100 for that venue, then it is 100. So I think that we have the tools to determine how many we need. Uh, maybe not the composition at this stage and whether or not, uh, you know, how independent they are of one another to avoid stigmatisation and, and further discrimination. But fundamentally, I think the rules that we have placed in New Zealand will mean we don't need uh, to use she-wees. And I absolutely agree. And, you know, I, I, for one, just simply wouldn't have the balance to use one. So to assume <laughs> that, you know, d- disabled people could could even yeah. use them universally as, as an yeah. issue and, and, and elderly people and others. So hopefully we don't resort to that. Let's um, let's talk about gender-neutral toilets. Um, is there a need for gender-neutral toilets? Why can't we segregate men and women? Yes, there is a need for gender-neutral toilets. I think it's a reflective of a, a modern society where we actually acknowledge that up to 10% of our population is LGBTIQ+. Mm. Plus. Uh, we need to provide uh, because we know that... Uh, for people who require facilities, they need to uh, use them in ways that means um, there is no stigma, there is no discrimination. They will know have have no issues about somebody questioning their gender. I mean, I think um, that we could learn a lot from our young people. Actually, mm. I'm yeah, heartened. That's right. Yeah, we, yeah, we had a great petition and delegation of students from Wellington High School come and speak to some councillors about this very issue. And they made the point that it's a very important issue for inclusiveness and sending a message to people who don't identify um, with traditional gender um, identities that they are welcome and that they are included in our society. So I think, you know, 
um, gender-neutral toilets are definitely the way for, for public facilities and other facilities around our city to go. And it would be really great to see Wellington leading the charge on that because it really is an issue that comes up in the Rainbow community at the Human Rights mm. Commission a lot. Basin Reserve is meant to be the host of the Women's uh, World Cup in 2021 for cricket. So we've got the cricket and the Rugby World Cup in the same year. It's amazing. Go women in sport. So how committed, Fleur, uh, is the Wellington City Council to getting this sort of, not just the toilets, uh, in the the new stand that's being, um, you know, reconditioned, but across the board? Oh, absolutely. And you just saw... uh Last week, there was a great game between the Wellington Blaze and the Otago Sparks, which mm-hmm. the Blaze took out. Um, <laughs> but there is a real commitment, I can tell you, on the Basin Reserve Trust and within Cricket Wellington, who manage the day-to-day operations of the Basin, to make sure that it really becomes the home of women's cricket and um, that we really do respect the long legacy women have had playing cricket at the Basin. And everyone's so excited about the World Cup. And I think that with so all the refurbishment of the museum stand and all the other work happening on the ground, including the um, improvements to the players' pavilion, uh, the scoreboard refurbishment, it's just going to feel like a really great place um, again to play cricket. And I think there'll be a really clear message that that women are welcome and treasured at the basin once again. On the eastern embankment with those toilets, those refurbishments have been put on hold because of the Get Wellington Moving transport plan, I think. Um, When are they going to readdress this? Yeah, that's right, and it's very frustrating. We just need to... um need to consider what's happening with Let's Get Wellington moving. We're expecting some further announcements early next year. And I think quite sensibly the council officials have said, look, we can't get into the detailed planning stage of this while some of those issues are still up in the air. But it has been a delay. Um, there's also been a delay to the development of the children's playground due to some uh, internal contamination within the basin. So unfortunately, some aspects of the master plan have had to be pushed out. But in the long run, I think, you know, you, we are going to end up with more sensible decisions about where the toilets can go and the, the detailed design of them once we wait for these bigger transport infrastructure decisions to be made. On the list of things you talked about before, about the Players' Pavilion and the scoreboard, where is the toilet sitting on that list in, in order of priority? It's really waiting for decisions on Let's Get Wellington moving. That is the major stumbling block to the next steps of the toilet refurbishment at the basin. But of course there is those additional toilets going in at the museum stand and that's expected to be completed early 2020. So they will be available and accessible by then. That's Wellington City Councillor Fleur Fitzsimons talking about the toilets at the Basin Reserve. We were also joined by Disability Rights Commissioner Paula Tesserero and my co-host today is MP and former Blackfern Lewis Wall. That was an interesting <laughs> in-depth discussion. That was a fascinating discussion and I agree with you. It was in-depth and I think we all learnt something from the corridor. so I'm really appreciative that uh, we did have the opportunity to talk to something about something fundamental. Mm, Actually, we just take it for granted. We can go to facilities and the amenities will be available for Mm, us. But mm. I mean, you would have had experiences lining up for toilets at sporting events and all sorts, not just sporting events, every event, right? Oh, I can say yes, but I can also say I've been with uh, groups of proactive women where if there are no queues in the men's, we uh, look out for one another and use the facilities, quite frankly. We've turned them into unisex ourselves. 
ourselves. Yep. Uh, but I, I think that uh, from what Fleur has outlined, the council are definitely thinking about everything that needs to be thought about in the design, in the provision. And uh, I was really heartened also by her... Uh, reflection on some of the comments from Paula and that mm. she will take that into consideration and the council definitely will build a facility uh, that is 100% inclusive, uh, caters for our diversity and actually it's about the public good uh, that needs to happen when you're using public resources. Yeah, well, it should be a space for all. Uh, Absolutely. And, and I know we're targeting the Basin Reserve, <laughs> uh, but it's not just the Basin Reserve, it's yeah. all venues that need That's to right. be looking at this accessibility issue. Let's move on. The ICC T20 in the West Indies didn't go so well for the White Ferns, with the team being knocked out in pool play stage. They lost early on to Australia and India, but were able to win against Ireland and Pakistan. Actually, the game against Ireland was fantastic. A review is going to occur as it happens after every mm. tournament. But what do we think are the main issues with, with the White Ferns, Louisa? Oh, I think that pool was pretty intense. Yeah, pool to of be death. Quite, it was, and you know, I did watch uh, some of those games, but um, at the end of the day, I actually do think you had the two powerhouses mm. uh, in India and in, in Australia, uh, and obviously just better than us. We are going through a growing phase. We've got a new captain in Sathwaite. Um, and I believe that uh, we will, in 2021, be in a much better position. But to be honest, I just think it was the intensity of the competition. We did perform well, but obviously uh, when you're um, in a pool with the world champions and, and probably the other team that will be in the final, mm. uh, it was just a numbers game. Mm, it was. That game against India was incredible to watch. Yeah. Uh, you know, India set us a, a target in the 190s, yeah. which was just... <laughs> it, it just it was a masterclass in batting. It was mm. just fantastic. And I, I'm cheering for India, to be honest. I'd like mm. to see them uh, get in there in the final with the West Indies. I think those two teams, it would be fantastic to see. Well, the West Indies, obviously, in the 50-over match, yeah. uh, the current world champions. And um, I just think what it reflects is that investment in the game mm. and the fact that cricketing nations, uh, just like we've seen in rugby, are investing in their women and uh, our ability to play and to uh, be involved in a sport that um, people are passionate about so it's it is bad from a results perspective but from a development and have we got now a, a platform and a base to build on we absolutely do Interesting that you talk about investment. Uh, the white ferns only earn approximately $300 a day in match fees compared to the men who earn a significant amount more Plus, we're not paid professional contracts the same way that the men are, or even comparatively to what women get paid in Australia and England and now we're seeing in India. They are professional teams. Do you think mm. that that makes a bit of a difference? Oh, I do if it means that the alternative is working, you know, 30, 40 hours a week and having to fit in uh, training and preparation uh, outside of that. And that's certainly the environment that I played rugby in. Mm. I was a full-time student, I was working and I was training. Um, the competition now uh, means that preparation is vital. Yeah. And the good preparation means that actually you need access to endurance coaches, strengthening coaches, skills coaches. There's a lot of analysis around the game. So to be quite honest, for us to be globally competitive, we will have to ensure that our women uh, who are in our national teams actually have the time to prepare to win. Mm. Winning is not a given anymore. No. Anywhere. No. You know, we've got a lot of natural talent and aptitude 
that only takes you so far. But the reality is successful teams uh, are successful because individual athletes are successful athletes. They've put in the hard yards. And I've always said that uh, the sports field is the most transparent uh, area in life. You can't hide on the sports field. If you haven't done the prep, uh, if you haven't put in the hard yards, you'll get found out. Uh, you won't score. Someone will score around you. You haven't got the skills to uh, actually know how to combat the opposition. And so I think uh, this is where the systems, the governors, uh, the contribution that they make to making sure that our players are in the best possible uh, place to be successful really needs to be scrutinised. So I'm hoping that any assessment actually should be on that level of support that they, they are or aren't giving to the players. The government recently announced a 10 million injection into promotion of women in sport. Is that enough? Do we need more? It's a start. I mean, I actually think if we look at the quantum of money that's invested in sport, like nationally at the moment, no one can tell us the spend between uh, genders. And I actually think that's a fundamental uh, issue. I wrote to both the Minister of Sport and the Minister of Internal Affairs this year to actually determine that. What is the level of investment and how is it being distributed? Nobody could tell me. So it's an analysis that's still happening. Uh, but it's something that we need to uh, investigate because I think uh, we've historically just given to certain uh, sports and to certain uh, groups, mm. but actually those groups now need some scrutiny in terms of how they are now distributing that opportunity because remember that's an opportunity to participate in sport because it's about resourcing. Is it equally being distributed between men and women? And that is the question. That is the question. That's a fantastic question, and I think we should definitely follow that up on the next issue of Fair Play. Uh, we're actually going to have um, Grant Robertson, the Minister for Sport, on our show on Not Your Average Cricket Show on Sunday, following the final, which the White Ferns aren't in, of the of the World Cup. Uh, which, And I'm going to put some of these questions to him, so I'm very interested to see what he has to say and contribute his voice to, uh, to the discussion around women in sport. Uh, before you go, I have a favour to ask. Sure. <laughs> we are organising the Media versus Public Parliamentarians cricket game. Wow, do really? Want, yeah, do you want to be, you want to be on, on our team? Sure. Because yeah. I'm, I could be in the media now. I've been on your show. I know, so many times. You've been on my show so many times and it's been lovely uh, having you because normally we have you just on the telephone. So it's yeah. so nice to have you in uh, in the studio with us. It's Yeah, it's been oh, great. Oh, my pleasure. Have you got a date? I just have to make sure it oh, gets yeah, we'll in put my it, diary. We'll, we'll, we promise it will be after Christmas and the New Year sometime. Sounds good. Yeah, it will be a great game, I imagine. Um, so I will not be playing. I will probably be on the sideline organising the oranges. Uh, well, the one other thing I wanted to highlight is that the T20 games next year, we're going to have the men and women play at the same venue. How cool is that? Yep. David and the team, you know, <laughs> double thumbs up. Yep. I just think that they are committed. Mm. I mean, these are signs for me that they do value the game. They want women to be promoted, you know, having uh, co-located games. And can you imagine it? I'm so excited. I can't wait. It's going to be fantastic. <laughs> and it's only, I mean, this is happening overseas as well and only good things are coming from it. So I look forward to see how it works here in New Zealand and whether the crowd gets behind the white ferns as much as they do the black caps, who on a side note had an amazing win in the oh. test against Pakistan, but it's men, so let's just not go there. <laughs> 
<laughs> anyway, that's it for this episode of Fair Play. Thank you so much to my co-host, Louisa Wall. I greatly appreciate your time. I know you're a very, very busy person. And our guests were Paula Tesserero, Disability Rights Commissioner, Fleur Fitzsimons, Wellington City Councillor, and Dr Sharon English. Conversations from the world of women's sports. This is Wisp Sports Radio. You can follow us uh, and like and comment on our stuff on social media at Wisp Sports, at RNZ, and at producer underscore Zoe. Can't even say my name. There's heaps to engage with from other sports podcasts around the world at Wisp Sports, and you can find the latest episode of Not Your Average Cricket Show on the RNZ app and rnz.co.nz forward slash series. We'll be back in December with the latest in results, views, and issues on Fair Play, and of course, an update on the toilets. I'm Zoe George. Thanks again, and don't forget to play hard, but play fair. Yeah.